Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We're going to do a standalone tonight. We call this a standalone before our semester. We do things by semester here. We have adopted an educational approach to discipleship, so we make an investment into you. And we are literally every semester we go into, we make syllabus, we create the program, the curriculum, and we hand them out to all of you to follow with us. So get ready. This Sunday, they're kicking it off. I'll be traveling for the next three weeks. I will be in Oklahoma, Louisiana, Harlingen, and I'll be speaking for churches around the nation. And, and I thank God for that. But we have, you have very capable pastors and preachers here. They're going to take good care of you. Will you turn with me to Psalms 127? Psalms 127. I do not want to hold you long. It doesn't take God long to do what he needs to do. But if you're hungry, you'll, you'll catch it. Out of the New Living Translation tonight, verse 3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How, one, how joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now that quiver is, represent, is a representation of a basket and a holder for the arrows. And so he will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. That, that last scripture really jumps out at me because... It's speaking of challenges that come into this man's life. This individual, a young man, has been gifted with children, a family. And when a young man, it's referring to a father figure, when someone can take the responsibility of leading others and training them properly, there isn't a challenge that you'll, that he'll, you'll ever face that you can't overcome or defeat. There's never going to be a challenge. Like the old saying says, a family that prays together stays together, right? A family that fasts together can last together. And so there are many concepts of the family unit and the philosophy. But our value, our number one value here at Riverside Church is the family. That's our most important value. We teach it, we incorporate it, and we believe it. So tonight we're going to be talking about raising a spirit-led family i'm going to take a moment i feel led to talk about this tonight i was asked to speak pastor cj has got a lot of things going on taking care of things and he asked me to speak and this is what god spoke to me and i want to deliver it to you so will you pray for the service will you just set the atmosphere let's get plugged up again father in the name of jesus we agree together that god in this one moment here that we will god give our full attention so we, God, speak against distractions. We speak against everything that would sidetrack our minds. And we pray that when we walk out of here, that we would become better parents and better, better leaders and, and better businessmen and women. And that we would walk out of here, God, with the knowledge and the understanding what it means to be an influence and to walk together with our families and never, never, ever ever fall behind but always win in jesus name we believe it we receive it and somebody say in jesus name now will you one more time give jesus a round of applause already and just tell him thank you thank you jesus and you can be seated god bless you thank you for being here if you're blessed say i'm blessed i feel so blessed to be here i shouldn't be here i'm the son of a nightclub owner my father came here in the late 70s bought real estate up built a convention center open up a number of businesses. So I'm the son of a nightclub owner. I shouldn't be here. But God in his mercy saw fit to put me in ministry, and I'm thankful for that. But he knew I couldn't do it without my family, without my kids. That was my greatest desire in my life. My dream is to do ministry and business with my kids and my church family. Even the apostle Paul wrote concerning his spiritual children and said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. There is something about that fatherly spirit that grabs a hold of us or that motherly spirit that can grab a hold of every one of us. 
that spirit that we have, I believe, is inherited by God through his spirit. And there's something that causes you to care, something that causes you to look into the lives of other people and want to help better them. And the only way you can better someone's life is to teach them, or if you really love them, you will train them. Because there's a difference between teaching and training. You can teach somebody something and tell them something, or you can show them. And, and the key, I believe, to raising up a spirit-led family is not by what you say more than it is by what you do. We've had so many people ask us about our family around the nation, really. People that we know, pastors that we know, and, and church family. There are people that come here because they want strong families. They want their children to be in their home. They want their children to be saved. I mean, who doesn't want their children to be saved? And who doesn't want their children to be filled with the presence of God and the Spirit of God? We taught not too long ago that the greatest joy above going to heaven is having your family go with you. That's the greater joy. So doing life together is so much more when it's done with people that you love. But let me define spirit-filled family. Your family, you may be single. Your family may be your friends. You may not have a family, and maybe you own a business that may be your business. You may be a mom and a dad. You may have eight kids or six, seven, seven kids, and, and you could be a big family unit or even one or two children, but you have a family. Everyone has a family, and if you have neither, you've got a church family. And what keeps this church family together and growing, what has brought us thus far from three people in our living room to 600 members has been, and we're just getting started, is just the fact that we have made a priority on our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Notice the dynamics of Jesus' ministry. When he came into this world, he came in and he began to identify with God as his Son and God his Father. He established that type of relationship and made it known to his disciples and made it known to the religious world. The family dynamic was the first, very first institution that God brought and established in the earth. Thus, he created Adam and then Eve. And they both became husband and wife. And the most of the, probably the most quoted scripture out of the Bible that any minister would, would quote in weddings is, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And whenever you see that example, it's throughout the entire scripture. So it tells me that from the very beginning, I believe God wanted a family. And for Adam and Eve, in the beginning, they were completely spirit-led. Where the spirit of God was inhabited in their life. They were, inhabit they, were in they were habitations of God. They allowed God through shunning sin. Or when they did sin... They lost their innocence, and therefore they lost something that they had. This is why Jesus came back into the world as the second Adam, to help us recover what the first Adam lost. And this is why Jesus began to teach the disciples when you read, and you can write this down and go home and read it, John chapter 14 and John chapter 15, when Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would not have told you. He said, behold, I'm going to go, but I'm going to come again and receive to myself that where I am, there you will be also. And then he goes and references the word abiding and abide in me. That word abide is a reference to abode in an abiding place. And the word mansion is not really a mansion that you would find in the country club or edifice. The word mansion is reference to a tabernacle, an habitation, and a place in my father's house. It's an old Hebrew term and language that's used by the writers as in my father's family, not my father's structure are many abiding places. 
In other words, God, when you properly interpret the scripture, in other words, God was going to have a big family. God wanted a family from the beginning, but he didn't just didn't want a family. He wanted a obedient, spirit-filled. Because when the spirit fills your life, it's by permission. God's such a gentleman. It's by permission that you give God the right to inhabit the places of your heart, even the dark places. But through that process, God begins to lead us and to direct us. Therefore, God raised up a people and God made one new body, both of Jew and Gentile. And here we are, some of you, and you know, you know some of you shouldn't be here tonight, right? Some of you were never even close to the church. Some of you don't even have Jewish blood in your veins. You are Gentiles. That means you were a heathen. You were far away from God. Your ancestors probably worshiped idols. But somewhere along the way, somebody talked to you about Jesus Somebody invited you to church. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody spoke to you and you accepted the Lord and you began that walk. And someone in this house is on a journey. Others have gone further than others and have had experiences. But all in all, we're part of one family. And the greatest joy that I believe that we can give to God was, I guess, to me, it was expressed to the Apostle Paul that no greater joy, no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. Jesus said that to the, to the woman at the well and said, the day's going to come. That neither shall you say in that mountain or in that mountain we worship God. But the day is going to come when the Father is going to raise up true worshipers of God that worship him in spirit and in truth. How many of you are glad for the word of God and the spirit of God in your life? How many of you have ever experienced the love of God where it's so tangible and the grace of God where you feel something in your life? Have you ever had God move in your life and there were tears coming down your face and you made up your mind that I'm going to follow you and I don't care what everybody else thinks. I'm going to do what you call me to do. And there's something that drives you. There's something that drives you. But the challenge is, it's not about you. We have to shift our thinking. It's about those that follow you. That you're responsible for. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a horrible leader, but I am an excellent follower. I would rather be an excellent follower than a great leader. And I'll tell you why. As long as I can follow Jesus and hear the voice of Jesus and I can follow and be obedient to God and serve him, I can effectively follow him. And if I look back and others are following me, then I'm a leader. But if you're walking and no one's following you, you're just taking a walk. So it's depending on who you follow is based on who's going to follow you. And the question you have to ask yourself, are you worth following? And the only way I can find my value of being worth following is based on what my values really are. I value Jesus. I value prayer. I value family. I value worship. I value giving. I value the things that God would value because those things are eternal. We value family because family is going to be the only, only thing you're going to be able to take with you to heaven. I got news for you. If you've got a million in the bank or you've got one dollar, the grave is still six foot deep. There's never a U-Haul that follows the hearse. What will follow you are your loved ones. What will follow you are your values and what you believe in and what you worship. Who you worship now is who you will continue to worship for eternity. And I want to worship Jesus. We have to level the playing field because we have to make it known what really matters in this life. What really matters in this life is Jesus and our loved ones. But if you're part of a family, I'm talking to you tonight. If you have a family, I'm talking to you. There are two steps I'm going to give you tonight that are very simple, but I believe profound and necessary 
They're going to be very simple, but I want you to think about these. So let me just simply begin. The first point I want to give you is, if you're going to effectively raise a spirit-led family, you must have a target. You must have a target. If I go back to the scripture and reference the young man who has children, and they become like arrows in a warrior's hands, the only reason to shoot an arrow is to have a target. That's the only reason. If a leader or a follower of Jesus does not have a clear target, you cannot effectively shoot what is in your hands. And the analogy here to reference children or your family as an arrow is so profound. When you think about this, and we're going to look at the anatomy of an arrow in just a minute, but when you think of our lives, our lives, everyone in here, if you had a mom or a dad, a good one or a bad one, they directed you somehow. They shot you in a certain direction, whether it was intentional or non-intentional. You were shot in a direction, and some have hit the target. And some have not. And some never had a target. And some are still guessing. And really the demise of some is, is that they aimed low and they actually hit it. You'll figure that out later. I want to show you this target because I took a target that you would use in an archery. I want to show you this slide very quickly. This is what I want to show you. If we're going to look at this... If you are accurately aiming for God's perfect will for your life, you've got to hit the bullseye. And it's not impossible to hit the bullseye. It's not hard to hit the bullseye. Anyone can hit the bullseye if you're focused. If you've done it enough times. If you have been consistent. You see... In order to effectively train others in your circle of influence, you have to have first allowed yourself to be trained. That's why I would rather be a follower any day of the week. In fact, that principle is even in the scripture, the greatest among you shall be the least, right? That's our calling. Everyone's a servant. Everyone is a child of God. We have, we have privileges, but we also have assignments. I believe we move by assignments, and I believe the target is the will of God, and that's where we find our assignment. But most people in this world, when they try to raise a family, when they try to do it, they don't have any target, and they allow... Now, just keep looking forward, because I'm not talking about anybody in particular. And I do not hunt you on Facebook. I don't have the time. But the biggest downfall in this generation right now is that our most of our children are stuck in front of video games i would call that the outer layer of no life i would call that no purpose no purpose there's a lot of people that feel like they're empty and have no purpose and they're not driven there's no reason to wake up early there's absolutely no reason to wake up early I don't think my kids know the difference in the school year or in the summer, 6 o'clock in the morning, 5.30, we're up. Let's pray. Let's get together. Let's stay and keep the momentum. We got things to do. We got things to keep us active, whether it's sports or whether it's church or whether it's our career, our business. There's always something to do. Most people, believe it or not, there are some people that have no life because they have no purpose. Some fall into the criteria of beginning to try, but then they become influenced by the culture. Being influenced by the culture of what drives the culture means that some people fall into satanic plans. Now, I mentioned Satan's plans because we can't be oblivious 
to the simple fact that there is a God and that there is a devil. We have to address both. And we're not good at taking a good defense, but rather we stay living life in a good offense. So we've learned how to walk, learn how to run, learn how to stay steady in cadence with the Spirit of God. But we've also learned how to discern the very root and the source and the inspiration for the culture. There are certain types of attitudes and certain types of mindsets that have been infused into the culture. And there are some now more than ever, I will say this to you, and this is for Riverside Church and Victoria. There are so many, so many satanic worshipers in this city. And they're not mean to you. And I'm not going to call anybody out, but I just need to make you aware. Around this nation, there are more satanic churches opening up more than ever there ever has been. And I haven't done the study and found the ratio from those churches to the to the Christian churches, but I do know from being in this side, on this side, that there are a lot of churches that didn't survive during COVID. There's a lot of churches. I think, and I say this very humbly, but I think it's a miracle that during COVID, we more than doubled. And the only reason I believe that happened is because of the consistency of finding the perfect will of God Staying in prayer and staying active and keeping on doing what we can do and not giving up. The persistence that we have to finding God's will has to be in our spirit. No matter what, you can't stop. But you have to learn to adapt. You have to learn to adapt to every present circumstance and adapt to it and move on. The problem we have right now, and if you're not careful, and this is for us, is that if you understand that right now there are people who are afraid of church, that have been hurt by church, that do not trust pastor, do not trust church people because of hypocrisy or whatever it may be or being mistreated, they're looking for alternatives. And it's very easy for them to find a bigger crowd in their school. I'm talking about kids now that believe in witchcraft more than the word of God. It's real. And there is absolutely no apologies or shame about it. People are very open to it now and are very public with it, and they aren't ashamed. While the church is... You know? Right? Hi. Right? We are so accustomed to trying to, you see, we never found a good balance in how to approach people who have opposite beliefs. But Jesus gave us the answer when he, he loved people and he brought demonstration. And whenever people have chosen, I'm going to say, to go to the dark side, right? For all you Star Wars fans, when, when people have chosen to go to the dark side rather than come to the light, I think it's because somebody else has a stronger passion for what they believe and they get to your children. And because we fail to bring God into the home. Because we don't focus on leading them and guiding them. We just shoot very loosely. And we missed the target. And then they fall into the culture, which is the world's plan, and conform to what everyone else thinks. See, all of these fall into line. But then there's our plan, and then there's the plans that we've got. And sometimes you can find your giftings and still, through hard work and faith and belief, still prosper because of hard work. But somewhere along the lines, if once you get elevated to a certain point, if you're not grounded and have character and have faith, Hell will take you out to make you an example, and, make, and, and you'll lose everything. But when you're in God's will, but when you are in God's will, you are insured by the mercies of God. You are looked over by the angels of God. You are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. 
And when you're in the will of God, there is no failure. But outside the will of God, there is no success. And what you build is built to last. So when you begin to direct your children, what is God's will? The target is always God's will concerning humanity. You were designed, you and I both, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, you were designed and gifted to make a difference in people's lives and to help them know Jesus Christ. No matter what your calling is, no matter what you do, everything should tie to the will of God. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business, but yet he was a carpenter. He had to make a living. So the apostle Paul was a tent maker. There is absolutely nothing wrong with having a craft or a business or a career or getting educated. But if you're going to watch God bless it and succeed it and take it beyond what you can even dream of and last for generation to generation to generation. See, that's what we should be focused on. Everything that you're doing in your life should not be thought of just for your success. You have to create room for your children and train them up in the same calling because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So everything in our life that God called us to, I knew my children would have the same thing, but I knew that I had to train them in one thing, finding out the will of God for their lives. And when it comes to the will of God for our lives, number one, it's to fall in love with Jesus and keep his commandments and love him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength. And the second one is likened unto it, to love our neighbor as ourselves because this thing has to spill over, then everything else needs to be connected to that. But that should be our value. And that's how you hit the target. So your children will never love God unless you're in love with God yourself. And how do you know you're in love with God? Well, you're going to have to look back and analyze this week. Can I teach you how to make sure and to check how much you're in love with him? Back in the day, we used to say, go check out your checkbook, right? To see where your money goes or see where your, your, your desires are at or what you're investing in. Uh, another, but I'm going to tell you now that now you must look at one thing. Where's your time going, right? Where's your time? Where's your effort? And how much time and effort and how much of that is for the will of God to make a difference in people's lives? So when you look at that, you can't make a difference in anybody's life concerning God if God's not making a difference in yours, right? So then you have to look back, like I said, you have to look back and say, hmm, how many times have I prayed this week? Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing, right? That same chapter, John chapter 14, John chapter 15, I'm the vine, right? You're the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. It's still the same letter. Same letter. Abide in me and I abide in you. In my Father's house, families, many mansions, many connect, many branches. But without me, you can do nothing. Well, I've done a lot in my life. Have you? How much of that has been for God and how many lives have been changed? How much time have you spent with him? And we have to all do this type of evaluation in our life. All of us have to become to be uh, transparent with God and honest with ourselves. How much time have we spent in the presence of God? For all of you radical people, how many times have you spoken tongues this past week? <laughs> nobody prays in the spirit. Nobody prays in, nobody speaks in tongues. Well, I just want to make sure I'm in the right church. I don't know. You never know. How many times have you read the word of God? Because if you've neglected your own spiritual life, then that tells me, and it should tell you, you're neglecting your family's spiritual life. I learned something years ago. When I read, train up a child in the way he should go. Proverbs 22 and 6. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Should go. Let me help you reword that so you understand it. I'm going to give you 
the popular version. Are you ready? Train up a child in the way he wants to go. Right? No. Train up a child in the way he should go. This gives precedence to the parents to be able to oversee and know that their children need to be directed in a certain area of their life, and that should always be in God's will. But how can you teach your children to walk in the will of God when you're out of it? It can't happen. The very first principle of creating a target is to make sure that you hit yours. Every day, you got to hit the target. And you can't just shoot and hit it without your children. you got to bring them on with you. You have to train them every morning. So here's what I'm talking about. My family and I, I'll use us for an example, we have prayer targets. We pray specifically for things every week. And I'm going to say 90% of the time, if not 95% of the more, we, we see God answer most of those prayers the very same day or the next. But you see, we have to be intentional. The days of you praying in your room alone have to come to an end. We're living now in the day and age where we have to set the fire in the home and not come to church to get it. Here's the concept behind Christianity. A true mature church should bring the fire from the home. And when we do all come together, there's a combustion that occurs that people that don't have it can get it and get set free. And friends that you do invite can get touched. And people that you invite that need healing can get healed. How many of you believe that God still heals? We've seen cancer healed in this church many times. We've seen bones that were broken healed in this church. We have seen walkers, people walking with them and walking out without them before. We have seen many things that God has done, but I promise you, it doesn't happen just spontaneously. It happens because somebody's been carrying the fire. And when you come together, and that's what I love about Riverside Church, we've been building a culture of teaching fathers and mothers and children even how to pray together, stand together, create a culture together. But if you're going to tit, if you're going to train them, make sure that you allow God to shoot you. Let the Spirit of God begin to direct you and train you. This is what Jesus said. He said you would have... You don't have no need for any man to teach you, but the Holy Ghost will teach you all things. So if you're not without a father, if you're without a father, I grew up without a father. The greatest desire I ever had was to have a father, but God, he instead, instead of giving me, I have spiritual dads now. I didn't have them before, but I had a great desire to have a dad, but he gave me an opportunity to become a dad. And out of a hunger and a desire of wanting a father, I gave my whole life to train and let the Spirit of God teach me how to be a good one. Am I a good one? I don't know. Ask my kids. I want to be a good one. I want to be a great one. That's all I care about in my life. I, all I care about is doing ministry with my family, doing ministry with my kids. We've kind of done a lot of things with our life, but we sold out to the calling, and we decided we wanted to hit the mark. And I didn't just want to hit the mark by myself, so I wake up my kids, and we pray at night, and we pray in the morning. Oh, that's exhausting, Pastor Bobby. Oh, my God, man. I don't want to stay at your house. You don't want to stay at my house. It's like being at boot camp. How many veterans do we have in the house here right now? You understand. There's a certain part of your life that you have to allow God to take you through and allow the Spirit of God to train you. So you know what the difference is between the old you and the new you. And you understand you have the ability to train others and to raise them up. I promise you, you don't want to marry my kids. <laughs> Pray for Josh. That's all I'm telling you. He's been up at 6, 5.30 in the morning. He's been up. Time to wake up. I'll play that old song on the speaker sometimes in the house and make it loud. Rise and shine and give God the glory. No, you don't know that, do you? Rise and shine. I'll make it loud, too. Wake up all the kids. Y'all know nothing about that. What I'm telling you is, is that somebody in your home is going to have to take the initiative, whether they like it or not. You're responsible for their salvation and their life. 
and there's, they're never too old to be influenced. And I'll tell you why. The love of God, the spirit of God in your life, the anointing of God in your life will overflow, and God will touch their spirit. You can't change the heart of men, but God can. God can. God will. God wants to. You have the spirit of God in your life, and it was never meant for you to hoard to yourself. It was never meant for you to go and pray. I know the scripture says pray in your closet, but I just got a big closet, right? I bring the whole family with me, and we're going to pray for things together, and we're going to see God answer. And I want you, all of my kids, I'm going to tell you something. All of my kids, and they were babies, we taught them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All of my kids were tongue talkers when they were little. All of them. All of my kids were, I had the privilege of baptizing all of my kids. And now my kids are baptizing people. Now, now that's no different than what your children are doing for you. Some of you probably have your kids working with you in business. That's great. That's what it's supposed to be like. Make room for them. God didn't give you the giftings. The greatest business part you'll have is making Jesus your CEO, but the greatest team you'll ever build is going to be in your family because they have your nature. They have your way of thinking. It's like the Wright brothers. When one knows what new move they're fixing to make, they pick up on each other. And that's how it is in ministry when you do it together. Can I tell you what the church is? The church is here to help you train your children. If your child is a youth, they can start serving in this church. They can start becoming an intern. The youth can also begin to serve in the children's department. The young adults can serve and help mentor the youth. There's room for everybody, but the church has been a training center and supposed to be a training center for years. The church is not an entertainment center. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're not here to entertain. We are here to help, to help you grow and to give you opportunities. You think you're helping us by serving. No, 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 no. We're helping you. We're helping you. All of my kids before, I'm going to tell you something. My kids don't just step up there because their last names were Vera. My boys, they all started off in that parking lot. All of them. My youngest one's in the parking lot, hot, sweaty. Caleb, before he ever start and stepped into ministry, eight years in the parking lot. Let it, grew it. That's where they start. Let's see if you got it, son. Get outside. My point is, give them a target. Teach them. That's what the church is here for. Give them a purpose. Don't let them sleep all day. Don't let them play on games. And it doesn't matter how old they are. Invite them to prayer. Hold hands with them. Love them into it. Don't force them into it. Love them into it. Can I give you a secret? If you ever operate in the gifts in the church before you do at home, you got it backwards. Every gift that functions in this church or in this house should first function in your home. If you're going to see healings in the house here, you've got to begin to operate them in your house at home. God will heal your children, but you must exercise it and do it in your own home. They must be there first. That's what we teach here. Parents, it's time for you to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get your prayer language on. Get into the Spirit of God. Overflow with the Spirit of God. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit and become drunk in the Spirit and begin to love your children, love your husbands, love your wives, and begin to invite them into a place called prayer and begin to commune and say, how can I pray for you? I can't tell you how many times the Spirit of God has woke me up at 5 o'clock in the morning or 4 in the morning and I prophesy over my wife and I begin to speak things. I can't tell you how many times a spirit of suicide, now I'm being real, a spirit of suicide will come into my home and try to rest on one of my kids and God will wake me up and tell me there's a spirit of suicide on your daughter. Go pray for her and I lay hands on them and pray for them and they get delivered and they know I can't 
can't begin to tell you how many times that that spirit of depression has tried to grab my children. The spirit of rejection has tried to grab my children. But the spirit of God would move on me as a daddy and tell me what was going on. And the gifts began to flow. That's how my children know that God is real. It's time for us. I'm doing an all call. I'm being obedient to the spirit of God and telling you, you know, most churches, when they get bigger, they get more seeker friendly. But God has been telling me, do the opposite, son. Become more fiery and tell the truth and become more fervent and more sincere and be more transparent because people need to know that I'm real, that he's real, that the spirit of God is alive, that God is able to answer, that God can touch, that God can build families, that God wants to move in your life, that God wants to move in your co-workers, your employees, your children, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your grandmas, your grandpas. There is no limit to what God can do. I have to hurry. I have to hurry. Let me finish this. So you got to have a target. And then, and then the second thing is, and I'm leaving it at this, and I have so much scripture, but the second thing is you have to know the anatomy of an arrow. You have to know Teach them to hear and to see. Point number two, teach them to hear and to see. First Corinthians says, yet, two and six says this, yet when I am going, when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not kind the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. This is what the scripture means when they say, no eye has seen nor ear has heard and mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, it is impossible to see what God has for you and hear what God has without God. But listen to what it says in verse 10. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. There are some that feel like their purpose in life is a secret and God is hiding it. No, he's not. It's in, it, you can find it in the heart of God. You can find it through the spirit of God. You can find it through a relationship with God. The greatest gift you can give to your family, the greatest gift you can give them is teach them how to see and hear from God. They'll find their identity. The world is having an identity crisis right now. They'll find their purpose. They'll find their passion. They'll find themselves. And we, verse 12, have received the spirit of God, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. I want to show you this slide, this diagram right here, and this is the last one. I want to show you this. This morning in prayer, when we were in praying for my family, we were praying together as a family. I invited a local businessman to be with us in my home. And I said, here's what we do. And we prayed. And we began to speak afterwards. After about 45 minutes or an hour, we were praying. I don't know how long it was. We got in a circle and God began to show me my children in ministry and how they function, how they operate. And he showed me an arrow. And this is what I saw and this is what I believe. That if children are the arrows in the hand of the parent or if that arrow represents your company, your business, your family, your sphere of influence, and you're the one that's directing them because you're giving them a target, you're giving them direction, God has given you a plan, and you're aiming towards that, and they're following you, then you're actually shooting them, but they can't properly hit the target unless they have knowledge, wisdom, and conviction. That is the fletching of the arrow. The back of the fletching of that arrow is what keeps that arrow to go straight. It guides it and directs it. But they also have to be strong in their spirit, full of faith, and that's the arrowhead. 
every individual who is going to hit the target has to have the ability of breaking through. And faith and power and authority, faith in God, authority, knowing who God is over your life and what you're over to release it. That's where power comes in. That's what breaks through. And when you are directing people, what connects the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, and the conviction, you see, you have to have conviction in your life. Everyone has different convictions because everyone has different vices and different weaknesses. But you have to keep them. God puts conviction in your life to keep you straight, to stay in his will. And if you don't have any conviction in your life, are you ready? Your children will have none either. Or your family will have none either. And then you try to create a rule, and then they rebel. Why? Because rules without relationship lead to rebellion. But when you have led them in the spirit of God and learn and teach them how to pray together, and you've given them training wheels, they've learned to be sensitive in that presence. Because when two or three are gathered in his name, there he is. And when they feel that, they get tenderhearted towards that. And I'm going to tell you something. When a child feels the presence of God or someone who has never felt God and they surrender to it, it's a powerful thing. It's the love of God that makes the connection between knowledge and faith. And it's what gets them aerodynamically to hit the target in their life. What I'm simply telling you here tonight is this. Grow in knowledge and share it with your children. Teach them in your family, your families. Teach them how we're going to wait on God for an answer instead of going with every whim. Have conviction in your life because that's going to keep the, that's your fletching. That's what keeps you straight. But when the time comes, be bold, be courageous, have confidence to know that it's God's will. Rely on God's authority and by being under his authority and teach your children, are you ready? To respect authority. I don't want to meddle. But don't take your child's side over your teachers all the time because I know school's out already. I know that. I'm a dime, you know, dollar short. An hour late? Is that how it goes? It don't matter. Day late, dollar short. There, there is a time where you have to take the side of authority in the sense of teaching your children character. But when you teach them authority, God honors that. And that's where their virtue becomes and has tenacity. And there is nothing in life that they can face that God won't allow them to pierce through. God backs up humility and those that understand authority. The most powerful man outside, I'm going to say one of the most influential individuals that saw a miracle in their life was the centurion guard. And when he looked at Jesus, he said, I recognize authority. I'm a man of authority also. I say to this man, go, he goes. So I know you have authority because no man can do the miracles that you do. So, Lord, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Great faith. When you understand authority, your faith is strong. Then you understand what it means. But God can never develop and link the two together without the love of God. I'm going to close with this. Come on, sweetheart. Your family will follow who and what you worship. Your family may be your coworkers. Your family may be your, your friends. I, I don't know what your situation is because we have such a melting pot. And you're watching on that or watching online right now, wherever your circumstances are, whatever they are. This principle applies to everything. But more importantly, to the family. God is going to raise up strong families right now. Your families are fixing to shift. Your children's attitudes and characters can change. If I'm speaking to you, don't raise your hands or anything like that. Don't give yourself away. Everything, will, your marriage will shift if you'll just surrender to the call. 
And if you'll invite them into your experiences and lead by action and train them by what you do more than what you say, God's going to change your household and things are going to get better and things are going to become stronger and you don't have to worry about things falling apart later. God will keep it generation after generation after generation. And your children will come and be beside you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but your children will come and be beside you and take it seriously. And they will mature and they will grow and they will get the vision and the purpose in their heart like you do. You've been frustrated because you have tried to convey the passion that you have for what you are doing and it's very hard for you to, cat, to, to relay that to your children and to those that are with you. But if you'll sell out to God and surrender to Him, He'll set their souls on fire with the same calling that you have. Because everybody produces after their own kind. I don't know who that was for. But God's ready to touch lives. Will you stand to your feet? We're going to enter into this right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, will you just lift your hands and just surrender to his presence? Let's just worship him. God has called you to lead others. God wants you to raise a spirit-led family, a spirit-led group of people. But before he can do that, you have to be spirit-led. Led by the love of God. Led by the purpose of God. You can have all the knowledge you want, but unless you have tenacity and faith and a breakthrough spirit, you can't pierce and stick to anything or go far. you got to have both. God wants to shoot you. God wants to release you. And God is going to give you the wisdom and the ability to release others into the will of God. And you're going to build such momentum in your family is going to get such momentum in their life. Nothing's going to stop. The latter part of the scripture in Psalms 127 says, and he will not be put to shame when he's confronted by his accusers at the city gates. In other words, when the enemy comes in and things come against you, there is nothing that can stop. Nothing that can stop you or your family from accomplishing the will of God in your life. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.